I did a message last week called How to Get Through What You're Going Through, and this week I thought I would kind of continue this message and, and talk kind of a part two of it, and today I am I'm calling this, well, let me, I'll give you that in just a minute. Let me, let me share a, a brief summary of where I want to go today, because what I want to talk to all of us about today is more deadly than COVID-19. It is unseen and it is often undetected. It is highly contagious, much more than, than COVID or any of that. It doesn't stay where it starts. It spreads quickly. This thing has killed more marriages than anything that I know of. It's destroyed and divided relationships more than I ever know, I've ever seen. And so I feel like it's very important in this season that we're in, getting through a lot of difficult things for us to talk about this specific one on how do we get through what we're going through. And today I'm talking about complaining. I think all the air just got sucked out of the room here for a moment. <laughs> what is it that you complain about the most? Don't shout it out and don't look at them. <laughs> but what is it that you complain about the most? I want you to be really kind of brutally honest in this moment. I want you to really think through what is it that you complain about the most? You know, you, you hear people, I mean, we complain about a lot of things. It's hot, which it has been. Uh, then, it, then it goes into, it's too cold. <laughs> it's wet. It won't rain. It's always raining. Traffic, nothing to watch on TV, how people drive, politics. I mean, you go down the list, complaining that we're not married. Then, then we get married and we're complaining that we are married. And then complain that we're not having kids and we have kids. And then we complain that we have the kids and then... Everybody with me here? Okay, we complain because we don't have a job. Then we get a job, and then we complain that all we do is work. It's just complaining and complaining and complaining. And how many would agree with me that we live in a society that complaining is not hard to find, and it's not hard to do? Uh, I am a chronic complainer. Uh, I, I know that about myself. I, I know the things that I struggle with. For me, I think I... I complain about things that are outside of my control. Um, I complain when my plans don't go as I planned, because I planned it that way. It should go that way, but it doesn't often go that way. I'm, I'm very organized with things, and I find myself complaining when things don't do it. And today, I'm speaking about complaining, and my, my son, um, who is behind the camera with me, said, Dad, can we go get some um, some donuts before we come. Absolutely. So we pull up, and I don't know if you've noticed, if you've been to the donut place, there was like 25 cars in front of me. And he's like, Dad, I didn't eat. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll just sit here. It took us 35 minutes to get through the donut line, and all I could think about was how much I wanted to complain about the 35 cars that were in front of me. And I'm going, I've got to preach in just a minute about complaining. I need to hold my breath in this. I love what one person said. They said, complaining is like bad breath. You notice it when it comes out of someone else's mouth, but you rarely notice it when it comes out of yours. Oh. Is this not true? Yeah. Except if you're wearing a mask. Then you know <laughs> when it's coming out of yours. When I think about complaining in the Bible, I think about God's chosen people, the Israelites. 
If you know anything in the Old Testament, the Israelites were God's chosen people and they were in slavery for 400 years and even while they were in slavery, they were constantly complaining to God about why they were in slavery and then God in his incredible providence and sovereignness decided to free his people out of slavery and we know all, the, all that happens and Moses delivers them and God sends the plagues to get Pharaoh to finally release them and then he does release them and then God opens up and parts the seas for them to walk through and then they get on the other side and there's a cloud by day and there's fire by night and then all of the things that God begins to do in them, the Bible says that their clothes never ever ran out. Think about that. They never ran out. And what do you think, after God is doing all of those things, providing for them, getting them out of Egypt, what do you think they do? Complain. Complain, complain, complain. Are we there yet, Moses? Are we there yet? Moses, no water, can we get some water? Hey, Kim, where's the beef, Moses? Where's the beef? What's going on here? <clears throat> Dr. Dale Robbins puts it this way. He said this. He says, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems, but I've come to realize that they have a lot of problems because they complain. Dr. Travis Bradbury, who is a secular author, wrote Emotional Intelligence 2.0, and he says this, the more negative you are, the more likely your brain will continue to be negative. Before long, we will enter in what he calls confirmation bias. And the way confirmation bias works is that if you expect something to be bad, you probably will experience it as bad. If you go into something thinking of it as bad, it's going to be bad. You ever heard women say this? I know it's none of the women that are in this room have ever said this, but if you ever heard women say, all men are jerks. Do you notice that ever? You've heard that thing? There's a little... Preaching with me. I'm going to try to keep you married. All right. So if you've ever heard someone say that, do you notice the men that they date are always jerks? Uh, it, it's always, it always happens all the time. Or do, how many have kids? Who's got kids in here? Kids in here? How many, you, you put something in front of your kids to eat and they go, I'm not going to like this. And how many know it doesn't matter if it was the best thing ever because they've already made up their mind that they're not going to like it. Everyone could love it, but they're not going to like it because they've already pre-built in their mind that this is not going to go well. Some of you came to church today and said, I'm not going to like this. Guess what? You probably won't. You probably won't. And, and no matter what ends up happening, because we've built into our mind this mentality of negativity or this mentality of complaining, we will always find it because you always find what you're looking for. There's always a reason to complain. There's plenty of them. I can give you many, many more. But God takes complaining absolutely seriously. And here we are, the Israelites not only are complaining when they're in captivity, but they're now also complaining when they're in freedom. They're complaining to God and going, God, I, 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 what, what is the deal? You're giving us meat. We just want some bread. Can we get some bread? I'm tired of this keto diet, okay? I need <laughs> bread. Can you give me some bread? And this is what God tells them in Exodus chapter 16, verse 8. God speaks to Moses, and Moses adds, and he says this. Watch this. The Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening, and he's going to give you some bread to satisfy you in the morning. Watch this. For he has heard all of your what? Against your complaints against 
him. He's heard all of your complaints against him. Now watch, it continues and says this. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. What if we, what if we were to look at the complaining that comes out of our mouth as something that is not against people, but is against God? And, and, and hey, listen, I've been, I'll be the first to admit I have complained a lot about this year, a whole lot about this year. I think there's a lot of things to complain about in this year. But this is what Exodus chapter 16, if you continue to read in that, in that chapter in verse 14 and 15, God says, you want bread? I'll give you some bread. And, and, and God, even in the midst of all of their complaining about how they don't have meat and they don't have bread and they don't have this and they don't have that, God still is faithful. And verse, 16, or verse 14, he says, so when the dew evaporated, a flaky substance as fine as frost blanketed the ground and the Israelites were puzzled when they saw it and they said, what is it? What is this? We asked for bread. What is this? They asked each other. They had no idea what it was. The reason I, I bring this up is because the manna, the word for manna in Hebrew actually means, what is this? What is this? Like, we wanted tortillas. <laughs> we wanted a loaf of bread. But you didn't give us a bread. You gave us some white flaky stuff that's on the ground. And how many you know that oftentimes when God wants to give you something, the reason we get disappointed is because we're missing the miracle because it comes in a form you didn't expect it to come in. And God is trying to do something in this season, but because it didn't come to you in the way that you wanted it, you miss it. But what what he's trying to show the Israelites is you wanted bread, but I'm not giving you a loaf, I'm giving you a seed. And what you're gonna have to do is you're going to have to go gather that seed, you're going to have to put the seed, you're gonna have to knead the seed, you're gonna have to work the seed, then you're gonna have to bake it, and then you're going to get what you want. But how many know that oftentimes in our lives, because it doesn't come in the form that we want it, we complain about it, but you miss the miracle because God is trying to do something in the midst of it, but you miss it because you're complaining about it because it didn't come in the way that you wanted it to come. You say, God, I want a job, I want a job, and then he gives you a job, but it maybe is not the job that you wanted, but you got a job. And so what, what, what we see in this moment is that they're missing this miracle because it doesn't come in the way that they want it. The same thing happens actually in the New Testament because in John chapter six, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the manna. I am the bread that came down from heaven. And how many know they missed him too? So just as the Old Testament missed, missed out, the first century Jews missed out, I wonder how many of us are missing out. How many of us are in a place where we wanted a loaf and instead God gave us a seed? You want like, God, I want you to fix my finances. Like I'm just gonna wake up and my checking account's gonna have 5,000 extra dollars in it. And God was like, hey, I'll give you a seed. It's called a budget. But what we want, do, we want God to do is we want God to do miracles when God is wanting to give us information and instruction on how to have the miracle. You, you, you look at your husband, and you're like, God, I just want a husband. And then you get a husband, and then you look over one day, and you're like, manna, <laughs> what is this? What is this? And God's like, that's what you asked for. But guess what you're going to have to do? If you want to have a loaf of bread, you're going to have to work it. 
Come on, if you want a great marriage, you got to work it. You got to work it. Is this not true? And so what we do is we complain about what we have in front of us, but what we have in front of us is an answer to the prayers that we've been praying, but because it didn't come in the form that we expected it to come in, we complain to God about it. And God's like, I gave you what you wanted it, but you got to work it. You have gifts and talents, but because you don't want to work them, then God can't use them. And so in this, God is, is trying to show them, he's trying to show the children of Israel that, that even in the midst of their complaining that God can work things out. Let me give you a, a, a couple of thoughts. Let me give you two thoughts today. Number one is this, your problem is not your problem. Your problem is not your problem. You, you go to Numbers chapter 12, yet again, the story of the children of Israel. They, man, it doesn't matter how good God provides for them, they're always complaining. They want bread, he gives them bread. They want meat, he gives them meat. They need shade during the day, he gives them shade. They need warmth at night and he gives them fire. They want water, he hits a rock and water comes out. Every single thing that they ask for, God provides for them and yet it's still not enough. They even get to the point where they say, I wish we could just go back to Egypt. Isn't it bad that they want to go back to the place that God delivered them from? Because the truth was, is even though they got out of prison and they got out of bondage, the bondage did not get out of them. And so God had them in a wilderness. They were traveling for 45 years in a wilderness because of their murmuring and complaining. And so what it says is in verse 1 of chapter 12 of Numbers, it says, while they were at Hazareth, Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? And hasn't the, the, he spoken through us too? Now this is huge here. But the, but the Lord heard them. The Lord heard them. Now, you, you gotta know something. So Miriam and Aaron are family to Moses. That's his brother and his sister. And, and so they're seeing God use Moses and they're getting to the place where they're jealous of what their brother is doing. And instead of coming alongside of him and supporting him and helping him, now they're criticizing him. Is he the only one that God can speak to? Is he the only one that God can use? And yet in the midst of that, God hears. God hears it. And I need you to hear me when I say this. When people talk about other people, they re reveal more about themselves than they do about the people they're talking about. And in this moment, their complaining is revealing that there's something greater that's the problem. The complaining that God's only speaking to him is not the problem. There is a problem that is bigger than the problem. And your problem is not your problem. The circumstances around you that many times you can't control is not the problem. How we see it and how we talk about it and what we do about it is the problem, though, often and many times. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 says this, for out of the abundance of the what? The heart, the what? The mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth speaks. And so in this moment, Miriam and Aaron are revealing more by what they're saying. What they're saying about their brother is revealing more about them than it is about their brother. Amen. It's revealing that they themselves have some things that are going on. Now, 
anytime uh, your kids, this is how it usually goes down in my house. It, when my kids start having some sickness, the very first thing that my wife does is she checks something. Anybody know what she checks? Checks their temperature, yeah. So back in the day, old school day, before there was a nice cool little gun now, I mean, back in the day, there used to be something that you would have to, you'd have to stick. Y'all remember the little stick with the mercury and all that stuff? And you, you stick that, you stick that. Where does it go? Okay, hopefully in the mouth, okay? There's, uh, we're not talking about where else it could go, but it's, my kids only do mouth, okay? So you stick it in the mouth. And, and, and when you stick that thermometer in the mouth, the mouth then begins to read what's going on inside the body, okay? And what God is telling us through this verse is, if you wanna know how your heart is, just listen to your mouth. The greatest gift that God has given us to reveal how we're doing is just to listen to what we're saying. It's the greatest gift. You wanna know how you're doing? Just listen to how you're talking because how you're talking is revealing how you're doing. This is the gauge that we use. So for, for Miriam and for Aaron, what was actually coming out was, is it only Moses? Is he the only one? But really what the issue was is they had jealousy. They had bitterness. They had some pride that was going on inside them. They had some anger that was going on. And when you don't like what's coming out of your mouth, you need to ask God to show you what's in your heart. It got real quiet in this church. When you don't like what's coming out of this, it's a revealer that there's something wrong with this. And the spirit of complaining and the sin of complaining is not so much about the problems that you're going through. It's about the condition of your heart as you go through it. And so... Psalms chapter 142, verse two, though, says this, and this is huge here, because watch what he says. David says this, I pour out before him, speaking of God, my what? I pour out before him my complaint. Before him, I tell him my what? My, my, my troubles. Now, I would want to pull David aside for a moment and say, wait, 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 hold up, David, David. Wait, aren't you the one that said that we're supposed to bless the Lord at all times and may his praises continually fill our mouth? It seems like you're just having an off day today because Psalms 34 says that you are to bless the Lord at all times and his praises should continue to fill your mouth and yet you're here saying that complaints should come out of your mouth when it comes to God. And what Paul, I mean, what David is saying in this moment is that before praise can fill my mouth, there may be, be some other things that need to be poured out first. And I think many of us can't be honest with God. God is actually telling us through David that it is okay to complain to him. Anybody ever complain to God? Okay, you should have the ability to complain to him. This is huge here, but I think we, we really have an issue with it. And I'm gonna tell you why I think I have an issue with it. Um, my dad was a, was a pretty stern guy. Um, he loved Jesus, loved God, but, um, but he believed in, uh, in letting my, my rear know when I'm not in shape. Anybody have those? You, you didn't get spanked, you got whooped, okay? And when I would come crying to him, how many, how many of y'all remember, I don't know if your dad would say this, he would say, you better stop crying, because if you don't stop crying, 
Y'all, oh, y'all had that daddy too? Okay, all right. I'll give you something to cry about. And, and there's this part of me that doesn't want to be honest with God because I'm scared that if I'm honest with him about how I really feel, he'll give me something to cry about. Like, God, I'm just exhausted, or I'm tired, or God, I just can't handle this, or God, I don't want it. And and almost like God's up there like, I'll show you. (laughs) No, never mind. Bless the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. God, you're amazing. Like, it is okay, and it is necessary for us to bring our complaints to the Lord. David tells us in this moment, because if you don't learn to bring your complaints in his presence, you will pour it out to, on someone else. And this was what was happening in this moment. If you go and you read the story of the children of Israel, every time they complained about Moses or every time they complained about something that wasn't happening and they would come to Moses, you know who Moses would go to? He would always go to God. There was one part where Moses says, I didn't sign up for this. Just go ahead and take them out. How many of you ever felt that in parenting? Just take them out. I didn't sign up for this. This is in this moment, what, what he's doing is that David is teaching us that the presence of God, listen to me closely, the presence of God is not a place to bypass your emotions. They are the place to process them. If you are frustrated in your marriage, bring it to God. If you are frustrated in, in, in maybe your own emotional health right now, and depression and hardships, bring it to God. This is what prayer should be. I think prayer is thanksgiving, but I think it's also presenting our issues and things. I mean, you know, we said this last week, if, if, if it's big enough for you to care about, it's big enough for him to care about. God cares about you. And so if there's something that's going on in your own heart, or there's something that's going on in your life, I'm, I'm just telling you right now, bring it to God. Because if you don't bring it to God, you'll bring it to people and they won't be able to fix it. Y'all been on Facebook? So many people complaining. It's disgusting. And what's disgusting is it's so many Christians. That instead of bringing this to God to let God sort and process through my heart, I'm bringing it to people so they could pity me I bring it to people so they can, they can jump on my bandwagon and go, yeah, that's terrible of them. And yet God is saying, no, listen, when you complain, you are complaining against me unless you're complaining to me. Let me give you what Pastor Rick Warren said. He said it this way. If you prayed as much as you complained, you'd have a lot less to argue about and much more peace of mind. Listen, I know this isn't like a shout down message. This is like a, oh shoot, he's got my number message. Because uh, I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to myself. That I, I, I look at so much things in my own life that are stressful It's because I've created that. I've created that environment in my home. I've created that environment in my job. I've created that environment in my own heart. 
Because I've, I, I haven't brought complaints to the Lord, I've brought them to other people or I've took it out on other people. Let me give you the last thing and then we're done. If you can't change your problems, then change your perspective. Can't change your problems and change your perspective. The story of a father who had two sons. One of his sons was very, very pessimistic and another son was very, very optimistic. And so he decided that he was going to test this out. And so he took the very, very pessimistic son and he put him in a room and he put the, his other very optimistic son and he put him in a room and the pessimistic son, he filled the entire room with all brand new toys. And the optimistic son, he filled the entire room with horse manure. And he went into this, to the room with the pessimistic son and he's got all the toys and he says, what do you think, son? Look at all these toys. And he says, dad, I can't believe you do this. He's like, what? He said, I got all these toys and now I got to read all the manuals and now I got to put them all together and I'm sure all my friends are going to want to come and play with my toys. And he's like, son. What? So he walks out of the room and he walks over to the other room and the other son has horse manure in the room and he walks in there and his, and his son is like all digging all in the horse manure. I mean, just all over it with a big old smile on his face. He's like, son, what are you doing? He said, dad, look, all of this horse manure here, I knew there had to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> That's funny. I don't, it's gotta be a pony. If there was anyone that had the right to complain, I think it would certainly be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul had one desire and one goal, and that was to fill the call on his life to preach the gospel. And he did, but he didn't do it the way that he wanted to. And one of his desires was to go to Rome and to preach in Rome, but he didn't go to Rome as a preacher. He went to Rome as a prisoner. And not only is it um, in prison, he's locked up for two years. He was chained to a Roman guard, possibly even awaiting execution. He's been flogged, he's been beaten, he's been shipwrecked, he's been beaten, he's been eaten, bitten by a snake. So many things that have gone wrong. I mean, we complain because our electricity's out for a little bit. This is a man who really is, really endured real suffering. And this is what he says in Philippians 2. Watch this. He says this. Do everything without, we'll, do, we'll read it again. Do everything without and arguing. This might like need to go above our, our houses. Do everything without complaining and without arguing. Watch this. Now here's the reason why he says this. So that, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean. Another translation says, live holy, innocent lives or blameless lives of children of God. Shine, watch this. Here's the part. Shining like what? Bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. This is what he's saying. When everyone complains, which everybody does, it's all throughout our society. The one person who doesn't stands out. You want to stand out? Just don't do what everybody else is doing. Everywhere you go, you'll hear it. You'll hear it, you'll hear it, you'll hear it, you'll hear it. He says, listen, in this moment, do everything without complaining so that you will shine bright for his glory.
How many know when it's dark and we can shine bright? That doesn't mean we don't have complaints. We're just not taking it to them. We're taking it to the right source. So I'm taking it to the Lord. I'm letting the Lord deal with me. And so that way I can walk into my job. I can walk into my home. I can walk into my school. I can walk into my neighborhood. I can walk into Walmart, the devil's playground. And I can shine bright. Because I'm not complaining that they moved the chips. Or that the, or that the, the self-checkout line is not fast enough. And I'm, I'm gonna tell you why we get so bothered by that. It's because life is about us. It's about our convenience. It's why children are glorious inconveniences. Because they're absolutely amazing as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and not bothering me and being obedient. And, but as soon as that stops happening, I get so frustrated and I start complaining because they're not doing what I want them to do, how I want them to do it. That's why marriages fail because if you sit down and you talk to married couples, it's usually because one, if not both of them, are so self-seeking and self-serving they don't even put the other person ahead of themselves. And I'm gonna tell you, if you don't do that, every relationship would fail. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you can shine, you can shine. And he goes on in verse 17 and he says this, but I will rejoice, everybody say this, two words with me, even, let's say that again, but I will rejoice, even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. This is what he's saying, even if, even if God doesn't give me the job that I want, even if I don't get the healing that I want, even if things don't go the way that I have planned, even whatever it is, even if God is good and I will rejoice. I will rejoice because Paul is telling us. Here's, here's how Paul can do this. In the middle of prison, Paul is saying this. It's not about me. It's all about him. Jesus is the center of it all. And when Jesus is the center of all, I can say, even if it doesn't work out the way that I want it to work out, God is good and God is working and God is to be glorified in all that he does. Amen? Father, we love you today. We dedicate this day to you. God, I pray, Lord, in this message, I know you're doing a work in my own heart. And I pray for every person that's here and that's watching online, God, that you would speak, that you would remind us. Remind us of the goodness and the faithfulness God, may we not be like the children of Israel that, that even in the good times, even in the blessings, we're still complaining. May you reveal to us that the problem is not the problem, but the problem is something from the inside. And I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that Jesus, you are the answer. You are our hope. You are our help. You are our confidence. You are what gives us peace in the storm. You are what gives us strength when we can't go on. You are the one God, that has secured our eternal um, 
life with you. So today, we repent. We repent. God, we repent for being ungrateful. We repent for grumbling and complaining and murmuring. We repent for the things that we have spoken of, of, over other people. We repent of the things that we've spoken about you. And today, we, we thank you for your forgiveness. We turn to you today for help and hope. God, may we do what David says and pour out our complaints to him. Tell you of all our troubles. God, we thank you that as we find hope and help in you, that you would help us get through what we're going through. God, we love you today. You are good. Today is good. And you're working all things out for my good. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Come on, can we love Jesus for a moment here? You know, these are always never easy messages to preach, but they're necessary messages to preach. It doesn't grow a church, but it does grow people. And, and I pray today that, uh, that you would walk out. I'm, I'm, I'm challenging all of us for the next week to just monitor what comes out of your mouth. Monitor what it is. And take your complaints to the Lord. I'm, I'm giving you permission for the next week to pray and complain out loud to God. Hey, put some headphones in your ear as you're driving and act like it's Bluetooth and just cry out to God. And just tell them, tell them what's going on. And let God begin to minister to you. And out of the overflow of God ministering to you, I pray that God brings health in your own heart. But that would begin to change the culture of your own home. Come on, how many want a home filled with gratitude, appreciation, joy, peace? Anybody in this place? Hey, listen, it starts with us. Starts with us. Starts with us. Father, we pray that 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 happens with us today.